0: In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 167 Today I've got Aaron Field back on the podcast here to talk about all the fun stuff we saw happen this year in 2019, especially kind of some surprises that we saw kind of the auction market. The, uh, the more of the more craziness you see happening this year is is uh, the 2019 is kind of that year that people wanted to forget and it, it, it can't couldn't get over fast enough, and here we are, but. First off, welcome to the show. How
1: are you today? I'm uh, good. Right I'm there? good, man. I'm uh, I'm I'm enjoying the the Christmas season.
0: Are you? What are your yep. Christmas spirit yep. this year? It is it is uh, Christmas Eve here today as we record this podcast, and I'm there down the highway here on, on the, in the, the Greater Wichita Metroplex here. But, there
1: you go. There you go. I was I was hoping the Metroplex part was going to come out. i have been disappointed It's not. Awesome. <laughs> no, well, my, my christmas plans are just kind of just kind of hanging out at the house had it with the boys and my folks last weekend that was a great time and yep. we'll do uh brandy's mom and stepdad will come over tonight and then we her whole family will be at her mom's tomorrow and there you go right and other okay. than that close some deals get some deals run and and uh do do as much sheep farming in the daylight for once as I can.
0: Well, well you can never run too many deals. That's what I've been told anyway. I don't from the uh, from the powers that be, you know, so that's a that's a good right. thing to be doing. <laughs> right on. We're gonna trick All our right.
1: computers into thinking that January fifteenth is actually the third, so run some more stuff through.
0: December thirty first is gonna last for two weeks, so it's gonna be Yeah. Easy. Yeah, gonna be great. All right, all right. So, kind of as I was talking beforehand here, let's take a look at what happened in 2019. I don't care if you're a, if you're in agriculture or not. It seems like everybody wants 2019 to be over and forgotten about. It feels like. Um, so, I guess as you step back and take a look, farmers have had a horrible year with just fighting weather and commodity prices and. Anything and everything that could have possibly went wrong this year um, went wrong, and even and even when you had a little glimmer of hope that commodity prices were going to rebound, we we're going to see that five dollar corn. Sure enough, the uh, the gods the gods of the commodity prices came back and kicked you in the balls real hard. So um, it's just been a crazy year, and you know the auction market's been uh, been no no lack of craziness there either. I guess if you really think about it. The auction market uh, heated up in December, and it got hotter through this December. So, I guess give me your reflections on 2019, Aaron, what, what you uh, kind of what your takeaways were for the year.
1: You know, as I sit here at the worldwide headquarters of Open Skies Farms, I remember 2019 started kind of kind of damn normal. You know, it was there was nothing crazy about it until that one. I think it was a Wednesday. Pretty sure it was a Wednesday. That one Wednesday when that maybe it was a Tuesday, the blizzard hit here in March. Right. Which was the same time that dam broke in Spencer. Right. Nebraska. And from that day on all hell broke loose all over the whole country. Right. (laughs) We were sitting guess. here watching watching the lights flicker and power lines jump 10 feet up and down and snow covering up vehicles and shit, and then all of a sudden your phone starts going off because there's a dam that broke and flooding all over hell, and it's like, wow. <laughs> Same day. <state. laughs>
0: right. right. So, yeah.
1: Kind of from that moment on, all hell broke loose with all of 2019. But it's right. you know on the social media it looks like a lot of guys are getting done. So except for, and poor damn guys in the Dakotas, they they got a battle on their hands. But I know some guys in North Dakota are used to picking corn in March. So there's that.
0: Yeah, I've talked to several guys up there who said that they'll be for sure picking picking corn in late February, early March, and then about the time yeah. they get that done, the uh, field prep goes right behind that, and they're pulling planters right behind the combine, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll be, it'll
0: be a good time.
1: Now, you asked me, you did ask me a question I got to y'all sidetracked there. The auction market, I think, was, you know, year to date, back to Christmas Eve last year, say December of last year. It Last December was, was pretty strong. We started the, the spring rolling pretty strong. I think other than, you know, some of your one-off things that were machine repeat record breakers or whatever. Right. Through the summer and early fall, the auction market sucked. Yeah. You know, we, you know c- case in point, we ourselves auctioned off the combine nobody wants, the 1213 S combine with 12 to 1,700 SEP that are all over. We auctioned some of those and they were a wreck. Right. And then I know, you know, watching other guys' auctions, same thing. Just like, where is the floor? Fast forward that a couple months to last week in Sullivan's big auction.
0: Right.
1: And I don't know what in the hell happened there, but I am... Flabbergasted, to use a fancy word, flabbergasted at what those combines brought. Right. You know that honestly, that I thought that seven seventy was light. I really did because that thing was four wheel drive, five speed, power cast, power rear. You know, it was powerful. It was it was sexy and i thought it was it was light for what it is but you know some of the random 12 13 14 stuff they brought big bucks you know talk, talking combines like what on earth i just i just couldn't believe it so you know you you see some of the just online deals and and what they bring you know, there's Combine after Combine at say ninety to a hundred and those same combines last week brought one forty. Right. So, you know, I timing's part of it. The the presentation, I guarantee you know, obviously with any Sullivan deal, presentation is absolute to the nuts, you know. And that 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 all goes into play, but I was still just shocked,
0: you know I think for me, we've talked about this so many times in this podcast it probably should be a motto, but the you know the you really
1: like, should change it to combine auction talk
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's probably what we should change it to, but the, the idea being that The online only presence is obviously which way is which way the industry is headed, right? There's the I guess not online only, but the online presence is hard and fast, and it's part of society now, right? It's it's not going anywhere. It's the it's the invasive species that everybody knows is a pheasant now, right? So it's well, yeah,
1: Casey, uh, look at the boys at stock, right? Yeah. Big yep. Iron, you know they Big Iron. They've used, let Big Iron take over the whole company. You know that's I that know. is the whole company now. Yep. And they sell land. They sell yep. land once, twice a week online.
0: <laughs> right. Yep. You know, and I, and I really believe even when he
1: equi- even when equipment auctions got going online, there was nothing like that selling <laughs> land online. Right. And I'm a. You know that that was always at believer. the community center, and we got some pictures of the ground up here, and everybody come on in and grab a coffee,
0: and right. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer, 100 percent firm believer in, in the on, online auction part of it. I think what makes Sullivan's auctions so powerful and so um, successful, because I mean, time in and time out, right? I mean, you can. You can go put auction times and, and, and Big Irons and, and anybody else that does online-only stuff up there. And what you get at at the live auction with the internet bidding, it's a whole other level, right? I think oh, a whole another have... level of... That's of, the word I'm looking for. Here? Like a whole other level of... Um, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. I mean, it's like a whole other level of... Of someone saying like, okay, well, I'm bidding online, but the guy here that's that's on the ground keeps bidding it up, so he must think it's a good machine, or he sees something that I'm not seeing, right? And you can watch that go back and forth between online and and live, and you can even watch like a like with the Richie sales that we've been to, when you actually a physical Richie auction, and you're sitting in there, their, their freaking movie theater seating, and you got the right. nice, nice teeter on and, you know, you got your nice cup of coffee and all you're missing is someone giving you, walking up in the aisle asking if you want a beer or not. And it's <laughs> that, ex- you that experience, you know, but the back and forth between the guy in the audience and the guy online, there's, there's something to that. Right. Oh, absolutely. I feel absolutely. like the, that, that, uh, the interaction that you have there is, is kind of giving that next level of kind of credence to If the guy in line is kind of wavering back and forth, like, I don't know if it's that good of a piece or not, but the guy in the audience hits it one more time, psychologically, the guy in line is going to be like, it must be as good as I think it is, or it must be worse than I think it is, you know, and whatever it might be. So you can take pictures, you can take videos, you can do all those things, but you miss, you miss like, you know, kind of like that Jamie Johnson song, it's, you know, you should have seen it in color type of thing. It's right. uh, actually seeing it with your own eyes is is a whole different thing than when you actually see it in a picture. You know what I mean? I think there's something to that, and I think that's why those those like Richie Sales or a Solden Cell or a Stuffa Cell or whoever it might be that has that live auction with a with a with a, uh, 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 a web presence are, are a little more robust, I guess, than what you'd see on, a, on your typical you know internet only thing.
1: Right. Yo, oh, oh yeah, absolutely. It, internet only thing is is the bottom. We all know that. Right. But what what was shocking, you know, what and again, you got different whole different worlds but combines that are the same. And that's and that's what was shocking, you know, it was a God bless $50,000 difference on a couple machines. Yeah. So that's, you know, that was, that was, that was quite a, it was quite a show.
0: Yeah. And it was, but you, okay. So you and, you and Chad went to that, went to that auction. What was the atmosphere like? Was it, well, could you tell the people there to buy or were you, could you tell that there were people there to see what happened?
1: No, I feel yeah. like there was, people were there to buy.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, everybody, there wasn't a lot of, guys off to the side kind of shooting the shit. The the crowd followed the camper pretty good.
0: Right. You feel like um I mean obviously that typical last two weeks of December, most people know what they've got to do and what they don't have to do. Um, you know, tax reasons, those kind of things. This year was kind of one of those years where if you took advantage of that 430 corn 450 corn, those kind of things before the, the, the bottle fell out of it again. Um, you probably had some money to get rid of, or, or, you know, I hate to say the word that, get rid of, but for tax purposes, you know, you might have had a little bit of a tax situation. Obviously, the last two weeks of December, you always kind of run into that. Um, usually the whole month of December is that way, but with the way harvest has been and and everything else has fallen into place, it's that that kind of was your time frame. So, you feel like that was a uh, that people planned, you know? Cause, you know, you, everyone gets the the Sullivan Christmas catalog in in uh, September. You know, it kind of starts laying out their fall, uh, August September time frame. Kind of start laying out their auctions they're going to have through the end of the year, and then you usually get one in like March. You know, it kind of lays out through uh, the spring and stuff like that. Yep. You feel like people were were uh, planning their purchases around that auction, or do you feel like it was? I need to go spend hundred grand, and I'm going to go do it over here.
1: Ah, uh, you know, I th- the the honestly, I couldn't tell you on that, Casey. I'm not sure. I I know from call volume that I'm getting there's there's a lot of end of year stuff going on. Um, a lot a lot more than I expected. So. Yeah. I know that's been good. You know, obviously, the year-end is yet one more thing to plug into. Last week's auction of why it was so strong.
0: Right.
1: Um, so, I mean, there's you're right. There, there's a lot of in-the-year stuff going on. Whether guys were planning that around auction purchases, I you know, I guarantee it. some are. But there's lots of others that are – you know, doing, doing dealer world too. So.
0: Right. Yep. The guys you're talking to now that you're getting calls from, what's uh, a, is it a cross section of everything or is it, are they looking for row crop tractors and four wheel drives or more combines or I guess what's the, what are the calls that you're getting? Everything. Um,
1: it's, it's, it's been a pretty good cross section, planter sprayers, tractors, Um, a little bit of combine action. So, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of, little bit of everything, quite honestly. Yeah. And it's, and it's been, you know, for the most part, it's not the classical 50 to a hundred range of stuff. Yeah. It's all been late model, low hour, you know, one, one, two year old high dollar stuff that guys are, that guys are going for. Yeah. Okay. And, and a lot of a lot of interaction, you know, in the in the wholesale dealer to dealer stuff right now. So both both for me me going out trying to buy stuff, and for our guys and dealers calling me, you know. And most of the dealer stuff has been late model OR tractors.
0: Yeah. So that was my next question. So is it is, are the majority of the people looking for that less than a thousand hour tractor or less than seven hundred and fifty hour sprayer or what what's the kind of what's the sweet spot you see? Um I would say the
1: most is the under five hundred hour tractor. Okay. Um you know that's 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 the biggest the biggest one. Second would probably be probably be sprayers. Ironically enough,
0: now well, coming to that time of the year, though, think about it. I mean, well, right, I
1: did. But the spray, you know, sprayer market itself has has been kind of you know pretty down. But here it's it's getting getting some good action here year end.
0: That's the one thing about sprayers over the last five years. They get super hot and super cold. There's nothing. It never really stays consistent. Yeah. You know no. Mean? There's nothing steady to them. Yeah. I mean, one one year you can't have enough sprayers. The next year you have. If you have one, you've got too many. And well, and, and uh, what market does that remind you of? Uh, probably a little bit of of, of the planner market and also oddly enough, combine market. Four wheel drive tractors. I don't think that also depicts where you're at, though, man. Well, yeah. Those four-wheel drives, like in Octavoods, four-wheel drives aren't overwhelmingly a big deal, right? But if you get to, like, West Texas and the heart of wheat country or down around south-central Kansas, where I'm at now, four-wheel drives are a big deal.
1: Right. Well, yeah, they are through the. You know, you get in the Midwest Corn Belt too in certain pockets, tillage tractors and stuff. But, but even still, I mean, that foil drive market is it's it's the same way. It gets super hot and super cold, and it's there's there's not really much steady to it. Whereas I would argue with you on combines. Combines are always falling out of bed. So, just kick kick dirt on them as you walk by and move on down the road.
0: I don't think we'll see. I think combines are like a couple of years away from really kind of being in a, in a good, a good spot again. And the reason I say that is because we have to get through, you know, the 12, 13, 14 model combines are it's five to seven years old now. Right. Right. And there's so many of them that once we get uh, the bulk of those kind of through the cycle, I don't think, I mean, I really think we're going to be back to an even keel of, of supply and demand.
1: Well, and I'm not going to disagree with you there, simply because the production numbers are way down, thank God, compared to those three model years that we were talking about. However, there is so damn many of them to still flush that it's it's going to be a
0: bit... <clears throat> That's why I'm saying like two or three years from now, two or three years from now, if you still have a, if you still have a, a 2012 or 13 or 14 model combine on your, on your lot or on your, in your farm, you have a, you have a, what would that be? 10 year old Uh, combine, 10 year old nine to 13 year old combine at that point. You're not trading it. You're going to sell it to local. No one's going to trade you out of it. You know what I mean? That yeah. Point. So you you've kind of hit that point now where you either you're just going to take to an auction, you're going to sell it off yourself, you're going to someone from Mexico's going to come buy it for you, or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like you're if someone does trade you for it, it's it's peanuts. You know, you're talking $50,000 combine or whatever. Right. Yep, absolutely. So you you've, you've hit the 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 9650 level combine at that point. And right. And it is, it just is what it is. They were
1: 300 new and now they're 30. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which, that, that's, that's not that far off. I mean, if you think about it, if you think about, right, about uh, a 15 year old combine, should be my, kind of my judgment and kind of looking at stuff, it's worth about 10% of what it was when it was brand new. Yeah. If you really kind of do the math on everything that you look at. Yeah. <laughs> have yeah, that had a guy. Here's a funny story. So I, I, I'm sitting up over here at my in-law's house, doing some doing some stuff on my computer, and of course, down here where I'm at in Wichita, the temperature yesterday was like 59 degrees, it was right. unseasonably warm. So I was sitting on their back deck, and I was I was doing some stuff, and and uh, this an analyst calls me. He's like, and I don't know, he must he had to have his uh, facts wrong or looked at something wrong. But he said. The USDA had a report out that said there were there were 300,000 combines in, in use in the United States. And I laughed. I told him, no, that's impossible. There's no possible way that's true. And he, right. He, I go, I don't know. There's been 300,000 self-propelled combines produced since the first year they produced a self-propelled combine. And if you put it into perspective, there's about 250 million acres a year that gets farmed. I mean, if there's... Uh, 300,000 combines. There's roughly like each combines cutting 150 acres. You go, go, I go. You'd go bankrupt if you did that. I mean, you would just go, there's no, no possible way you could do that. So we kind of, I kind of started going through the math, and I, I was just doing some rough numbers in my head as we were talking. But I came up with the number of about 55,000 combines because so I took 250 million acres at 15 acres an hour. And, um, I got down to like, uh, I can't remember how i got to a number, but then I divided that by 300 and that got me to about 55,000 combines that were out operational in the United States right now. And then I took 75% of that number as, Hey, this 75% was probably, um, used and then 25% but new. And that basically got me to about 15,000 combines a year, twelve to fifteen thousand combines a year, that get produced new across all platforms. Right, we're talking John Deere, Case, New Holland, you know, all all the all the manufacturers. Right. So, as I was sitting there, we were about this combine conversation. You think those numbers are right? I think that's pretty close. Well,
1: first of all, ladies and gentlemen, Casey loves to do math. Just just so you all know, because. He, I think he had some integers and 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 the whole thing. That was a math problem right there. Uh, that was that was that was fantastic. I I think the the three hundred is is where that math gets tricky because you know I I did do a Twitter poll this spring and that's you know two fifty to three hundred is catches a lot of guys. So that's, you know, fine. I know you're just going to get guesstimate averages and what have you. So, yeah, that's probably, that's probably pretty close. And that, you know, that takes into consideration everything from uh, some old damn F-gleaner, you know, that oh, yeah. a guy cuts three acres with to, uh, to a guy that's going to order three X-9s as soon as he can. <laughs> right, you know, right. so there's, there's a, that that encompasses everything,
0: right? So if you think about, if my fifty five thousand number of combines in use is correct, that's not counting the, the number of machines that are physically on the lot, right? Right. So those are those are actual machines that populate or actually there. So we're talking about having, oh, uh, that last report Ron gave me. I think there's probably. 11 or 12,000 combines for sale on on the various uh, websites out there. Um, yeah, I think that sounds right. So you're looking at 67,000 combines in pop in, in out there right now that and we're saying that 55,000 of them are in use so more than likely you'd have to keep your your combine population somewhere in the neighborhood of so between about 60,000 between what's on the lot and what's being in use. And if you exceed that number, you've probably got too many combines nationally. Does that logic make sense? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It really depends on what the average, the actual average hours a the cut, the cut are right now. That's the only way you'd be able to figure that out. Right? Right. If the actual average is 150, well, then we got plenty of combines, right? If the actual average right. is 300, then we probably got too many. Yeah, <clears throat> which is an obvious statement because there's probably too many combines in, in, in captivity right now, right? Well, of course. So. all right. Well, that was a nice sidebar. That kind of went all over the way. <laughs>
1: Do you do you want my address to send me my math degree to now?
0: <laughs> I
1: feel like I was just in like a level four calculus class.
0: <laughs> but I think I, I think those are the kind of questions you have to ask yourself when you're looking at the marketplace. Is how many acres of ground are there nationally? So how many acres are you going to cover with certain like a planter or? how many hours you're going to cut, those kind of things with combine to utilize the number of machines that are out there. And, I mean, realistically, combine-wise, we, we probably need to have a, a 25% reduction in the number of combines across the entire United States, across the board. Like, we need to, like, purge the entire, universe, the entire North American market by 25%. Yeah. If we did that, we'd be in a great spot. You could probably do the same with four wheel drives, you could probably do the same with row crop tractors. And to some extent, I don't know if it's twenty five percent is the number or not, but that would that would clean up the uh basically clean up the, the market enough where supply and demand would be right again. It all works. You know what I mean? Here here I think
1: I think on combine I don't think I think you'd have to be somewhere in I'm I and I'm not shitting you, of course. We all know that I constantly deal with combines and sometimes you just want to smack your head into a brick wall, but I think the twenty five is light on combines. Just due to the twelve to fourteen numbers that need flushed the hell out of the system. Right. I'd say you're probably in the you're in the 30 to 40 range there, but as far as having it be good, like not too many. Right. Right. There's just too damn many older machines.
0: And then the other problem with that, too, is the next argument people will give you on that combine thing is, oh, well, you have, you want those combines in your AOR because then you get all that part of service business. Absolutely right. Nope, no doubt about it. But if you're not selling them, you're not getting your parts and service business. So that's that's uh that's where that that ratio has to be. You have have to have just just enough uh just enough of a demand that supply is light enough that guys are going to be convinced to go ahead and run their combine one more year and just run it through the shop type of deal, right? That's like a perfect scenario where demand's just high enough and supply's just low enough that they can't. You know that the the ability for guys that want to go buy new stuff is there, but the guy that that's on the fence of whether he wants to spend another hundred grand, put a hundred grand down, or fifty grand down, or two hundred grand down, or whatever the number is, that he's going to run his combine one more year and run it through the shop. You see what I'm saying? Like that's the perfect right perfect. So, And now on the other hand, when you got like we're in now, where supplies is a little bit higher than what you want, and Demand isn't there, so your your actual the value of that machine is, is contracting, right? Because there's no you, you don't have a captive audience that want to go out there and buy it. Everyone's deciding to go ahead, well, we're just going to keep our machines and run them through the shop again. Because I mean, I'm not going to let someone give. I'm not going to take eighty thousand dollars from my my combine. Right, right. So yeah. that's where we're at right now, and I think that's are that's where the debate is. When you start really kind of looking at the overall market is how many acres of ground are we going to cover this year? How many acres is, is going to go into whatever crop it is and what tool you need to run that crop with? I think you got to stick with the big, the big four, you know, combine, tractors, sprayers, planters, and, and, and really Relegate what those look like, and, and average hours, and number of acres, and all those kind of things to really figure out what we're going to be at and what that looks like. I think right now we've got we've got more of a supply of everything, twelve, thirteen, fourteen models being being the culprit in that than we could possibly sell, even you know just by the number of people that actually use it. Right. Right. Uh, yep. So that means we got to open up markets other in other parts of the world. You know, we got to get Eastern Europe up and running, and Africa up and running, and all those things. But when you do all that, you're putting more grain in the market, which puts pressure on the on the overall commodity price. So it's a kind of damage if you do, damage if you don't scenario. Right. Yep. So good times is what I'm getting at. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, a good deal. Well, that, that definitely took a big turn from the. What do you think about the 2019 auction market? To hey, let's solve the world problems here on the Moving Iron Podcast. To see a quick, yeah, and uh, they're production. done. It they yeah. are. They're done. Problem we just solved. It all out. It's, it's it all like out. a Christmas gift from us to the world. That's right. Yeah, just figure out to implement that all, and, and we'll be we we'll right where we need to be at good times well that's not our that's not our
1: part we solved the problem now everybody else needs to go make it happen that's right
0: we're just we're just here with ideas (laughs) good or bad (laughs) there you go buddy right on okay all right man well that being said i guess what's the biggest give me two things the biggest thing for 2019 that you were shocked by and the uh the one thing that you were like, ah, I expected that to happen. Um the
1: biggest surprise I think would be the amount of machines still moving. And the biggest or the the thing that I expected to have happen, you know, I guess, is the incredibly stale commodity market. Yeah. You know, every every couple of months there's somebody that's going, oh, see, we're going to hit this turn and then this will go and be like, I ain't believing a damn word of it till it's actually there.
0: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and, that's, and that's just where all that is at.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm probably going to be um, the same way that, that you are, that the resilience of the uh, of the American farmer and their ability to uh, keep figuring out the next best thing they can do on the farm when it comes to being efficient and doing those things has just, just kind of played through this year. You know what I mean? We've got plenty of stuff out there with, you, you know, every. you can't turn the news on without hearing something bad. I mean, ag news anyway about... You know, the KC Fed's talking about how there's going to be more bankruptcies this year than there was in, in 2019. And then right. all these different things and um, guys are really figuring it out, and making things happen. And like you see your point, the amount of inventory that we see still on the move um, when everything's supposed to be coming to hell in a handbasket is kind of shows me that there's a uh, there's some light here at the end of the tunnel. Um, on the commodity side, I agree with what you said. I think that there's probably an opportunity uh, this year to see some commodity prices not necessarily be um, to take off and run and we'll see like seven dollar corn again or anything like that, but if the China Phase One thing gets done and now we got the USMCA things been ratified, the thing with Japan those kind of, those kind of deals are starting to come together. We're starting to give that level of certainty, starting to kind of come back into the marketplace, and right. we're going to start we're going to start measuring things on export reports and and how how the actual economics of the commodity market are actually supposed to work and what that looks like and not by some some tweet that comes out um, about something you know, <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be it's actually going to be measured on the dollars and cents and the actual economics of of charts and what that looks like and and those kind of things so i'm looking forward to that in 2020 that hopefully knock on wood all this stuff kind of calms down a little bit. We can have a a more, a more certain marketplace based on the, the trend lines of, of the charts and not some news that comes out, which obviously news is always going to play an effect on that, but not to the effect of, you know, I will say that guys, when I was talking to uh, Sean Hackett the other day, when we were doing the commodity report, I was like, you know, this, this whole phase one thing with China has always been every, well, we're two weeks away from a deal. Well, we've had 18 months of a two week period and it's, I'm kind of glad it's kind of coming to an end here. Hopefully everything signed up and, and this, uh, this two week period of, of, uh, last year and a half or two years will, will be, uh, we put behind us, and we can move forward now. So I guess that's my takeaways from 2019. I think there's, I think there's a bit of a light in the tunnel in 2020, 2021. And, uh, we can kind of get back to some, whatever the new normal is for the, uh, for the ag economy. Right. I like the way
1: you put that. 18, 18 months of that two week period. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, it's it's been crazy and I'm glad it's I'm glad twenty nineteen is rapidly coming to an end. We can start twenty twenty and hopefully we have a <clears throat> a fresh new look here of of how things are gonna be moving forward. So keep yeah. your head on a <clears throat> So anyway. Get some. Standby. So, uh, <laughs> I guess before we uh, before we lock it down here, man, you got any you got any final thoughts you want to throw out there?
1: I don't. I really don't. It's just kind of, that time of year, you know. Yep. One one minute you're just it's it's kind of the 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 holiday chill out. The next minute, oh shit, get this deal pushed through and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth.
0: Right on. No, I'll, uh, I'll echo that same thing. One day is, it's uh, back and forth all the time, but it's really about really all I got to say, man. I think we've uh, had another good year of the Moving Iron Podcast, and Aaron, I really appreciate you being on. You bet. You
1: bet. I'm always, always willing to jump on the casting of pods.
0: Right on, man. All right. Well... If people want to reach out to you and find where you're at, Aaron, what's the best way to do that? Well, my cell phone is
1: always on, always with me, usually always with me, 308-760-1193. You can call me there, text me there, what have you. And also very active on the Twitterverse, with, uh, and that would be at Aaron Fintail. And those are by far the best ways to catch me. Well.
0: Uh, well, I'm Casey Seymour. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also check out the Moving Iron LLC uh, website at movingironllc.com where you can find everything there is to do with uh, the Moving Iron podcast as well as uh, I've got a blog I post every so often about different things that are rattling in my head. So you can check that out. Um, also, check out the Global Ag Network. That's uh, Network that I'm on with some other great podcasters like the Dry Land Farmer Podcast. Old Brent and Landon over there at the uh, Dry Land Farmer Podcast—they put on a pretty entertaining show. It's uh, sometimes it's ag-based, but it's mostly just uh, two guys uh, basically just playing grab ass. It's a it's a fun little show. Very nice. A lot of gibberish, <laughs> lot of, yeah. It's uh, it's entertaining nonetheless. Um, check that out. Uh, go to global. Uh, go to the Global Ag Network uh, website. There's a Newsletter down there You can subscribe to To get all the latest news About all the great podcasts That are on the Global Ag Network As well Um What else I think that's about it man So I guess With that I am Casey Seymour With Aaron Finnell Let's go move some iron folks Merry Christmas Happy New Year And uh We'll catch you again next year Out Moving iron In the 21st century Hardworking people